You know it's Thursday. And then you hear that music. You put your hand to your ear like the Grinch. You don't have to look at your watch, Dan, because you know you know what time it is. Dan Nathan, please tell me what time it is. It's 1046 on it a is Thursday, 1046. Guy Adami. It is 1046. I'm Guy Adami. Mentioned my dear friend Dan Nathan. Today's episode is brought to you by our presenting sponsors, FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow and open exchange. They manage virtual meetings that matter for the top companies around the world. Dan, what are we doing today? Talk to me about what we're doing today at 1046. We're talking dot plots. I mean, like, no, honestly, we're not. Oh. the whole financial world, as you know, it was in suspended animation yesterday, waiting for 2 p.m. Eastern, not 1046 a.m. Eastern, but 2 p.m., waiting for the Fed to come out, waiting to talk about this esoteric thing called a dot plot, guy. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about two single stock calls. We're yeah. going to have one for the road. We're going to try to do it all in 14 minutes, which we're a minute into now. First call of the day, Dan. You know what else is transitory on top of everything? You know what's good, the good news about transitory? Jerome Powell's tenure as Fed chair will, in fact, be transitory. But yesterday he says, again, talking about, talking about, it's making me crazy. It's like a Van Halen song. Uh, but the market didn't seem to like it yesterday, Dan. Rates will remain at zero. They're talking about two Fed uh, rate hikes by the end of 2023. They raised their inflation expectation. Maybe that's the headline to 3.4%. I'll say this. David Tepper this morning on CNBC said the Fed did a good job. And, and before you comment, yes, in the context of maybe assuaging some concerns and what they've done for the market, the Fed has done a good job. I think the Fed has done anything but. Well, uh, listen, they've gotten us to the other side of this pandemic, which was a, you know, had the, the, the potential to be a massive financial crisis, but it was just really an economic crisis. They have a dual mandate. You think it's to keep the S&P 500 no, I know and that. the NASDAQ elevated here, but their job is kind of stable prices and full employment. They are not worried right now about the uptick in prices, and they are worried about the millions of Americans who are still out of work relative to the start of the pandemic. So to me, we can sit here and argue about taper. We've seen the playbook. We know what the post-crisis sort of playbook was. They're kind of sticking to it. I thought Powell did a really good job. You said the stock market didn't like it. Well, they didn't mind it today. And, and here we are. Let's look at a couple of these charts. Yep. S&P 500 guy is right back up there above that consolidation range. We drew the chart. You know what that you know what that chart it's is? The that hungry, chart? It's the hungry alligator. Dan. It's the hungry alligator. And your 200 day moving average down there all the 30, way down there. 3750 yeah. yeah, About 12 percent from current levels. I, I can't imagine what sort of second wave of a pandemic it would take to get back down there. But it looks like it's ready to party in the quarter end here, Guy Adami. And, you know, that's just the S&P 500. That uptrend is intact without question. You know, we're going to, well, we already took out the all-time high. I think we did it uh, late last week, earlier. This, whatever it was, doesn't yeah. matter. You know, here we are. The S&P is off to the races again. Obviously, a bit of a hiccup yesterday. Today, it's an interesting day. We'll see how things shake out. Um, but this is as good a looking chart as you're going to see. As they say, lower left to the upper right, hungry alligator. Yeah. But that trend line, that's what you have to watch. A break of that trend line and maybe things get dicey. We're not close to it yet. The next one we have to look at clearly, though, you look at the S&P. What do you have to look out? Look at in addition to 
in addition to the S&P. Dan, what would that be? Well, it was the NASDAQ. I mean, look, yes, the NASDAQ is, is really is. outperforming today. We're seeing at least some of the names that are probably, um, you know, we're seeing a move back into big tech, okay? And all year long, when we saw big tech underperform, let's say some more cyclical names, energy names, financial names, as rates were going higher, as people were convinced the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield was going to 2% and that the Fed was wrong, tech kind of went sideways. Well, here we are. Um, the NASDAQ looks poised again. Again, you know, to make a run at those prior highs, I just think you have to keep a close eye on the fact what's not working today. Banks, financials, some materials, some of these commodity plays here. So we're seeing this big push into tech. You could see a run into quarter end in big tech. Not only are they not working, they're getting obliterated. I mean, quite, you know, very quietly, Caterpillar's down about 10, 15 percent from its yeah. all time high. I mean, these resource names are on their heels. Gold's getting bludgeoned. We're going to talk about gold in a second. But very quietly, in addition, a name we talked about at 1046 a few weeks ago. Look at NVIDIA. Look what that's done since that upgrade. And look at Apple very quietly north yeah. of 130 now. And Amazon may be getting poised for that breakout. So the NASDAQ chart, there are no triple tops. We seem to be about to uh, challenge those double tops. Looks like we're going racing through. Next chart, please, as they say, the match game fans out there, people that are my age, if you can still walk, slide and curl. And what are we... What are we looking at here, Dan? The 10-year yields, by the way, great job by you. But, you know, the 10-year yields had about an eight basis point move to the upside yesterday. Yeah, that that was, you know, I, I think it was a situation where, you know, everyone was convinced a couple of months ago that yields were going much higher. And then this downtrend in the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield, um, all of a sudden people were like, oh, maybe we're a bit too bearish on yields. But to me, you know, you and I talked about it earlier in the week. You know, you get to that upper end of that down channel about one six one. 162-ish or something like that, you may see a move back um, lower here. I think that's really going to be an important tell here, um, the direction of rates and the speed in which they break this trend um, higher or lower, which brings us to the dollar guy, the U.S. Uh, dollar, the Dixie index. We know half of that is the euro. Um, but look at that thing, man. You know, people were also convinced that that was breaking and going lower. It found some support in that 90. Oh, you are one of them. Talk I'm one of those then. people. No, listen, yeah. I'm clearly one of those people. I thought this time down, you know, that 88 level that had been huge support was going to break. And we would go through it like certain substances through certain animals that uh, visit golf courses, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Something through a goose, Dan, if, you, if you're looking oh, for clarity on that one. Guys, but we didn't. The family we bounced. Program no, I know it is, which is why I didn't use the vernacular. Yeah. Uh, the dollar bounce probably bounced on some of that Fed rhetoric yesterday. Obviously, the, the, to your point, you see all the time, crowded trade on the short side. We'll see how long in the tooth this dollar rally is. My sense it'll be short-lived, Dan, Nathan. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, like, I, I think the ability to get back to 93 and a half or so, which where it got maybe in mid-April, and you know, if it gets there, we might have a new regime. We knew have, may have a new uh, focus as it relates to rates and the macro trade in general. But I know U.S. corporations are going to keep a close eye on that. All right, lastly, guy, gold. You know, um, this is, it had a huge run. I think it had to do with the fact that Bitcoin got cut in half over the last month or month and a half or so. I mean, gold did not, investors in gold, or whatever you want to call them, speculators, they did not like whatever Jerome Powell had to say yesterday. No, and they didn't like it because obviously the dollar got off the mat. The move in the dollar hurts. I think, you know, those inflation, ironically enough, the inflation expectations actually work against it because as rates go up, gold seems to go down. I think that's what you got. You nailed this one. You said you short this. You thought this rally would fade. You're right. I still think it's got legs, but we're at critical levels here. It's sort of the 
meet the new boss, same as the old boss story for gold. It just can't get off the mat. Let's go to our first uh, research call, Dan, because it's important. I think it's interesting. And that would be in the form of Nike. Morgan Stanley raised their price target on Nike. Nike reports on June 24th after the bell, raised it from 185 to 172. You can read the slides. What I'll tell you is this, to the extent that you're interested, Third Point, which is one of the big head funds that we follow, their 13F filing on May 14th, they announced that they liquidated their Nike position. The all-time high was in January. We're going to go to a chart, 147.95. That stock has done upper left to lower right since then. Valuation is the concern here. It's still a concern if you look at it. I think they have to say a lot of really good things for this to get back on the horse. I understand what this call is about, but I think Nike has a few uh, few down channels left before we bounce. Yeah, I mean, you, you get down to about 120 or so if you look at that channel here, if you're going to make a series of um, you know, lower lows. Um, and it makes sense. You know, guy, you mentioned valuation, you know, with the S&P trading about 25 times, Nike's always traded at a premium to the market. I just say this, it might have something more to do with where they play. You know, the dollar, it'd be interesting to see what mm-hmm. Nike is going to be one of the first multinationals to report um, prior to the official, you know, Q2 reporting season that gets going in mid-July. Interesting to see what they're going to say about in- input costs. It's interesting. We're going to talk a little bit in, in, in a few minutes about inflation and corporations and their focus on it. Um, so, so it's curious to me, okay, do people really care about valuation on a premier name like this? Um, who knows? I will tell you this, Lululemon, also a name that we talk about frequently here, that stock has acted horribly over the last six to nine months or so. So, you know, it seems to be that investors, they care about valuation where it matters, right, where they see growth. Um, I'll just say this, that the U.S., obviously, the reopening has gone a lot better um, for us than like other parts of the world. We know that Nike gets maybe 50 percent of their sales and a lot of their expected growth from international. So whatever they kind of have to say, if you get down towards 120, I I think the stock probably gets bought down there because That's then you right. start thinking about the back half of the year, the reopening of the world. That's exactly right. So the report after the bell next Thursday, so a week from today, yeah. I think if you're looking for a trade setup, you look for continued weakness. And as you get closer to you know Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday, maybe use that weakness to buy ahead of earnings. There's still going to be some supply chain constraints. I'm sure Nike will talk about it. Uh, but you have seen bounces off that trend line. I don't think you're going to get down to that lower end, 120. I think you might get sort of 125 or so. Take a look at it there, which brings us, Dan, to the next call because I'm being extraordinarily respectful of the (laughs) clock here, Dan, Nathan. Yeah, so let's talk about this. This is Evercore ISI. They reiterate their buy, their bullish call on Microsoft, their outperform rating. Um, They think this company could be the Netflix of gaming guy. You know, Netflix um, has obviously, you know, really changed how video distribution was done. Um, You know, I got to mention GameStop here, guy. I know that you still roll into the GameStop and your strip mall out there. You know, you get your bagel, your coffee. strip mall. Sorry about that. I I, I couldn't, you know, I have trouble hearing. Right, right. So these guys, so so Microsoft, obviously they have this great Xbox franchise, but, you know, the the ability for them to kind of, deliver games and, and and just change the way it's done, you know, who knows? Uh, maybe Microsoft becomes a meme stock as you are a meme stock. Is that what you call them? Meme stocks? Um, I'm not really listen, sure. 
They have a $300 price target on this thing. Again, you know, here is a, a tech stock. It's nearly a $2 trillion market cap. They have $125 billion in cash. They can do whatever they want. They can buy whatever they want. People were scratching their head a few years ago when they spent $26 billion to buy LinkedIn. That's been a really important part of their Office 365, a cloud story, recurring revenue, you know, all that sort of stuff. So whatever they're going to probably lean in to do in gaming is likely to be impactful. It's one of their fastest growing businesses. I'm not sure that's why you buy buy the $2 trillion market cap where gaming is probably single digits percentage of their revenue, but it's a good business for them. Um, again, on the chart here, let's look at it. You know, this thing has been in a nice uptrend. There's nothing sure, to shake yeah. a stick at. And the only thing that you would get worried about if it were to break the lower end of that uptrend, then that 200 day moving average is in play. And, and at some point people, I know it's really easy to say, just stick in those trends, stick in those trends, trade those ranges. At some point, we're gonna have a little bit of a scare. Investors did not like what they had to say in late April, at least in the near term, stocks sold off, but you see this, it makes a series of just higher highs and higher lows. It's a nice looking uptrend, guy. It is, it's absolutely is. The, uh, you know, one of the concerns all along has been valuation, but you know what, this is not a valuation story. This is a grow, continued growth story. You mentioned the fact that gaming single digits, but you know you throw the cloud on top of that, people get excited. I actually like this call ahead of earnings. I believe on July twenty second, which brings as we get close to the top of the hour. One for the road. You want to do it for me because you're very good at this. Yeah, our friend John Butters over at FactSet, he is their senior earnings analyst. He has um, a weekly, we get a preview of it. It comes out on Friday mornings. We get a preview of it here, his earnings insight newsletter. And he highlighted um, just all the inflation talk on the Q1 calls that we got in April and May, guy. Um, 197 um, of the S&P 500 companies cited inflations on earnings calls, highest since 2010. You know that's going to be up. You know that's going to be up. And why is it going to be up when we hear a lot of these earnings calls in the next month, month and a half? Because they can, because they're using this as air cover. If you have the opportunity to use this as an excuse, why don't you just throw it in there? The smart people, the smart CEOs, the chief financial officers, all those guys and gals, they're going to use this as air cover because the market's allowing them to do it, Dan. In the final 15 seconds, let's do our summary. I want to get on the top of the hour, quick. Hey, talking listen. about talking about the Fed. Oh my God, the Fed, stop. Please stop, Jerome Powell, go away. Morgan Stanley raises their price target on Nike. Evercore, I like Evercore, reiterates that bullish call on Microsoft. One for the road, an inflationary tale. It's good to be coming to you. Say what you got to say on the way out there, Nate. Hey, hey, thanks to our sponsors, Open Exchange and FactSet. Those are our tricked-out charts from FactSet. I'm getting pretty good at those, huh, Guy Dami? Financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. Thank you, FactSet, and thank you, Open Exchange. They manage virtual meetings that matter for the top companies around the world. We'll see you next week, Thursday at 1046. Thanks, bud.